is White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air, deep to right, it is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome into White Sox Weekly. I am not Connor McKnight. Connor will be on the call of tonight's ball game, along with Darren Jackson between the White Sox and the Detroit Tigers tonight in Detroit, Motor City. The White Sox got a six nothing win last night. And before we get to what happened, I will let you know that the White Sox, prior to tonight's game, selected the contract of right-handed pitcher Jose Arena from Class AAA Charlotte and placed right-handed Declan Cronin on the 15-day injured list, retroactive to September 6th with blisters on his right hand. So Arania will get the start tonight for the White Sox as they look to win their second in a row against the Tigers tonight after a 6-0 win yesterday on the back of a strong performance by Mike Clevenger. But it did not come as easy as it may have sound sounded. 6 nothing seems like the White Sox walked away with this, this one pretty handily. However, Reese Olsen, who was a major thorn in the side of the White Sox last Saturday night at Guaranteed Rate Field when the Tigers just drubbed the White Sox 10 nothing, And what I will say was one of the worst performances of the season for the White Sox. Reese Olsen, again, he was uh, very good last Saturday night at Guaranteed Rate Field. And he went again last night for the Tigers. And needless to say... He was very difficult for the White Sox to handle. In fact, he w- he had no-hit stuff through six and a third inning last night for the Tigers, and it wasn't to, until Luis Roberts stepped to the plate and was able to break things up. There's a line shot, and you're on it. First hit of the night comes in the seventh, and Robert will end up at second base. Badu had a little bobble down there. I don't think that'll be called an error, however. No, that's a two-base hit anyway because Luis was going for it. Len Casper on the call there on NBC Sports Chicago. And shortly thereafter, in the seventh inning, Yohan Moncada stepped up to the plate. One, two. Moncada in the left. This has got a chance. It is gone. Yoan Moncada stayed on it and drove it out to left for a two-run homer. Connor McKnight, of course, on the call there here on ESPN 1000 and your Hard Rock Casino White Sox network, as he will be again tonight. And then into the eighth, we went with the White Sox leading two to nothing. A little bit of insurance by Andrew Benintendi. 1-1. A fly ball into left. This is going to split them both and down for extra bases. The Sox are going to add on. Grandal will score. Colas behind him. Anderson held up at third. There's a big knock by Andrew Benintendi. A two-RBI double, and it's four-to-nothing Sox. And Yoan Mancata would come to the plate as well and add a little bit more to make things, or at least put things quite out of reach. 2-1. Moncada down to a knee. Swings and drives one to right. This is going to bounce off the wall. Benintendi in. Eloy to third, and Moncada's got a two-hit, three-RBI night. Yes, as uh, Connor mentioned there, Yohan Moncada would go on to be two for four for the evening, upping his average to 264 on the season, and he drove in three, bringing him to, my apologies, 34 on the season, uh, including his eighth homer, as you heard previously in the prior highlight there. 
So Mike Clevenger, as I mentioned, he, I guess you would say, got the best of Reese Olsen, despite the fact that Reese Olsen was able to no-hit the White Sox through six and a third innings. Here's a little bit of Mike Clevenger's magic last night. Pitch is there, but fouled off and into the mitt. Strikeout number one. 3-2 to Meadows. Check swing. Doesn't matter. Called strike three. A punch out for Clevenger. 3-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. A cutter gets Rodgers. Rondall sets up outside. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. A changeup took him even farther outside the strike zone. Clevenger still shuffling. Pitch timer down to zero. He got rid of it. The changeup is offered at, and he's out. Home plate umpire Marvin Hudson said he went around. Mike Clevenger there, seven strikeouts last night, seven shutout innings, gave up three hits, no walks, lowered his season ERA to 3.64, and moved his record to 7-7. Seven and seven. A far cry better from what he did last Saturday night. As I said, it was a bit of a tale of two cities for Clevenger. If you look at the last two starts against the Tigers, he was hit around badly in his start Saturday night, and he bounced back nicely last night for the White Sox and got them a win, much-needed win for the White Sox as they have been struggling lately against some of the lower-rung teams in the division. So good to see the Sox get back a win in that column there. Lane Ramsey would come on and give the White Sox a shutout inning, and then Brian Shaw would complete the bullpen effort for the White Sox, two innings of shutout ball for the pen, including a strikeout, and that would give the White Sox a shutout win over the Detroit Tigers last night. Here is Johan Mankata with Len Casper and Steve Stone on NBC Sports Chicago last night after his big evening. Johan Mankata and Billy Russo on the field. Uh, Johan, obviously your back feels better, but is it as much about your timing right now than feeling healthy or a combination of both? Obviamente, tu espalda, te sientes bien de la espalda. Los resultados ahorita son de que el timing está bien y te sientes saludable. O, o, o simplemente que, que te sientes saludable Sí, en realidad me siento saludable saludable y me siento bien eh, gracias a Dios también en el home play también y, y nada solamente seguir trabajando, seguir haciendo lo, lo que estaba haciendo I feel good, I feel healthy and uh, I'm feeling good in the, uh, the home play too then, you know, I think that's why the results uh, are what they are right now Juan, how difficult is it to keep your same stroke from both sides of the plate? Es tan difícil de mantener, eh, o sea, el, el mantenerte bien de los lados del, del plato. No, en realidad es un poco complicado, porque como había dicho antes, ¿sabes? Es, es, son dos jugadores en uno y uno tiene que saber que mantener la, el mismo, la misma rutina y el mismo approach para, para tener resultados. Es un poco complicado, como te dije antes, es como tener two players at once uh you have to work uh, both hands every day or and it's, it's not easy last one would you rather make the uh, great defensive play to end the game throwing a ball from foul territory to just get the guy at first or hit the game ending home run tú prefieres hacer el último out del juego con una gran jugada en territorio de foul lanzando la inicial o acabar el juego con un jorrón no, acabar el juego con un jorrón I knew what that one meant they always rather hit the home run thanks guys it's always more fun to be the hero with a walk off home run where you get to be celebrated at the dish as you come around the bases even if it is aesthetically maybe more pleasing to make a great defensive play to end it for the viewer, I think I think we can all agree with Johan there. The uh, opportunity to just have the big celebration at the at the plate where you're 
really the center of attention is always fun. So who could uh, blame you on for that? But it was good to see him again get back to uh, a solid performance. And the White Sox definitely are going to need more of that down the stretch from him. And not just him, but Luis Robert with the double that we heard earlier. And just the entire lineup as a whole, you know, is going to need to continue to play much better down the stretch here. As I have to imagine, Chris Getz will be taking an eye uh, under a microscope here down the stretch, really looking at what type of performance you're getting from these players who, you know, it's going to become a difficult decision for Chris Getz in the offseason about what he wants to do with a lot of these players. And I think Yoan Mankata is one of those key pieces who the White Sox are going to have a very difficult decision on because he's slated to make $29 million next year. And they are going to need more production from him if they're going to be a better team in 2024. I know the sites are still set on trying to win the AL Central with what Chris Getz has deemed as, you know, a division that makes it winnable, at least the way they're set up right now. And so because of that, you're going to need more from Yoan Mankata and you're paying him to be better. And so you need more performances like you got from him last night. Going to need, going to continue to see Luis Robert do what he's been doing and maybe even Take it up yet another notch. Can he put himself into the perennial MVP conversation year after year? He's been really good, but it does still feel like there's a little bit left for Luis Robert to even unlock. And so there's there's a month left to go, less than that. And at this point, the White Sox, I think, you know, as players, Chris Getz, Pedro Grafal are going to be looking at them and, examining everybody and asking the question, are you truly playing hard now day in and day out in what seems to be or what feels like a difficult season down the stretch here? I think you're certainly trying to win some ball games and prevent the team from losing 100. I think that's a goal that is very attainable for this talented roster. And I think that is, honestly, if I'm Pedro Gafal in the dugout, that's the bare minimum that I'm asking for from this team down the stretch is, hey, You know, it hasn't gone the way we hoped and expected, the season that is. And now, let's show some pride. Let's actually maximize the talent that's available on this team. And let's stop ourselves from losing 100 games this year. They right now have 86 losses. So they need to prevent themselves from losing 14 more down the stretch here. And, of course, that is, I I would say easily attainable for the talent on this roster. They need to go they need to go 9 and 13 down the stretch here in the uh would it be 55 and 86. So we're talking 91-141 so 21 games left to go here for the White Sox. They yeah, they need to go 8 and 13 down the stretch to avoid losing 100 games that is certainly again, the bare minimum you would expect from this roster. So hopefully they can continue to play like they did last night because I think every White Sox fan out there understands that they're certainly more talented than what they've shown all year. Plenty of good stuff to come here on White Sox Weekly. 3 o'clock, we're going to dive deep into the minor league system with Jim Callis, who who writes for MLB Pipeline, a longtime prospect hound, knows a lot about baseball, the minor leagues, and we're going to pick his brain about what the White Sox have in the minor league system. How close can they be to competing in 2024? What type of impact arms? Jim's going to join us at 3 o'clock. ESPN.com 
MLB insider Jesse Rogers will join us around 345 as well. And up next, we're going to talk with White Sox first baseman Andrew Vaughn. We'll ask Andrew about his recent hot streak and the newest addition, one of uh, the newer additions to the White Sox roster, his former college teammate Corey Lee. We'll do that all next right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Head to the ballpark on Tuesday, September 12th for Nurses Appreciation Night presented by St. Xavier University. Specially priced tickets have been made available for all nurses and healthcare workers. The first 2,000 ticket purchases will receive a special edition Nurses Night hat. To purchase your specially priced ticket, visit whitesocks.com slash nurse. I'm Jeff Meller, back with Andrew Vaughn on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller hanging out with you, getting you set for White Sox and Tigers tonight. Pre-game coverage coming your way right here on the White Sox Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome in White Sox first baseman Andrew Vaughn right now, who's been on a bit of a roll as of late. Andrew, how's it going, man? Uh, Got to feel uh, good for you. Uh, I have to imagine you're seeing things a little bit better at the plate the way you've been stroking the ball as of late. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a good little turnaround, you know, getting things ironed out in the cage and, you know, getting ready for the games. So when you say getting things ironed out in the cage, you have uh, put together a three-game stretch here with seven hits, a couple of back-to-back three-hit games as well, including a few home runs. Uh, what's uh, What's been the difference for you that you've uh, identified in the cage? Um, just, just being more selective, um, you know, getting pitches that I can handle, uh, trying not to chase too much, and you know, putting a good swing on a ball and trying to do some damage and, you know, help teams score some runs. Sure, no doubt about it. Andrew Vaughn joining us here on White Sox Weekly. So you did have those three-hit games back-to-back there, and then yesterday, though, the team as a whole runs into Reese Olsen, who seems to be cruising. You guys had some difficulty with him a week ago last Saturday at guaranteed rate, and then last night he's humming along. What's the approach for you and just your teammates when you know you're battling a, you know, a pitcher's duel out there, but... You also know that, I have to imagine, you know, no hits on the board. What's the approach when you're in a game like that where, obviously, you come out ahead? Yeah, you just, you just got to keep going. Um, you know, he's, he's had our number every start against us this year. Um, you know, we didn't – I don't think we got a hit off until the seventh inning. You know, got Robert got a double, and then Monkey went backside for a homer. And, you know, those moments are huge because we just got to stay in those games and, you know, keep grinding our guys on the mound doing his thing. And, we were able to come on, come out on top on that one, uh, Andrew. So uh, the one thing I, w- I do want to ask you about is, you know, this is your third season. Seems like you're finally a little bit more comfortable inside the clubhouse, and uh, now that you're playing first base regularly, do you personally feel more comfortable in the majors now? Entering the what is going to be the conclusion of your third season here at the end of the month? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely been a learning curve over three years. Um, you know, it's it's never easy to play in the big leagues. Um, you know, everybody's the best of the best, and you're going out facing the best pitchers there are. Um, so you always got to keep learning about yourself and learning what you need to do to, you know, get better every single day and be able to perform on the field. All right, Andrew. So that's, I, of course, you're absolutely right, the best of the best here. Think about it for a minute here as I kind of give you, I'll tee you up here. You enter into the majors, and you know, I, I mean, lifelong dream achieved just to set foot on a major league baseball field and to compete with players at this level. Was there a moment though, for you over the last couple of years when you said to yourself, you know, maybe cause the pitcher got the best of you or you were, you know, walking back to the dugout, 
Was there a point where you were just like, God, that's filthy, unbelievable. I can't believe, you know, I've, I've seen the best for a long time, but this guy's absolutely ridiculous, whether it was just a single pitch or just a pitcher whose approach for you was more difficult than most. Was there a, was there a particular pitcher over the last couple of years that you remember saying, God, I can't believe it. These guys are ridiculous at times. Shoot, it's most of them. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing that hit me, probably the biggest surreal moment was when I made my debut, and I don't think I had a hit for my first like at least ten at bats. Sure. And I was like, "Holy smokes, we got to make some adjustments. We got to, you know, get it going." Well, like I mean, credit to you because of course uh, you were dealing with the position change as well, which you know I, I think we all, anyone who's followed the White Sox, you know, for some time now, gave you a great deal of credit just to be able to break into the majors willing to do whatever was needed to help the team out at that moment. And with Jose Abreu obviously locked in at first base when you were, you know, it seemed like you were ready to go for the team, you know, just how did you put yourself in the right mind frame day in and day out, whether it was playing left field or occasionally right field or every now and then given Jose a blow and playing first base, how did you approach it day in and day out? Not necessarily knowing where you were going to play. Uh, no matter what, I just had to give it my all. Um, be prepared every day, no matter where it was. And, you know, if it's in the outfield, try to make as many plays as I can, as many as I can get to, you know, at first base, do the same thing. Um, the biggest thing, just be able to play both sides of the ball, hit and play defense, and, you know, come out there ready to go. Andrew Vaughn joining us here on White Sox Weekly on ESP 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Andrew, I know it had to be a difficult time at the trade deadline, especially for a lot of your teammates, but coincidentally, it was. It had to be, in some ways, uh, a welcome sight for you because you, I, there's not too many guys who get to play with a former college roommate when they uh, when the White Sox acquired Corey Lee at the trade deadline. Talk to us a little bit about Corey Lee and what type of uh, player and how cool it was for you uh, to re- to realize that uh, hey, your former college roommate was coming to join you on the White Sox. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a really cool moment. You know. Um, Got to play with him at Cal and, you know, get to really know him. And, you know, his, his games, he's still learning, um, you know, behind the plate. I think he's a really good catcher defensively. And, you know, he's got he's got the hit tool. He's got the power tool, um, you know. But like I said about myself, it's it's a hard grind to adjust to the big leagues. Um, you know, and I think he's capable of doing that and, you know, helping us down the road. Now, in Chicago fans, most White Sox fans are also Bears fans. I have to imagine you as a former uh, member of Cal is, are also a Bears fan. Do you uh, follow the football program now that we've entered that time of year? Uh, I I am not a huge football guy. Okay. Uh, never really have been, you know. Um, I mean, it makes I'm sense. In I I'm, imagine on, I'm on the, in the fantasy leagues, but I don't really know how to participate. I just do it for the fun. <laughs> well, listen, I, I completely get it. I imagine you spent uh, a large majority of your youth and uh your uh, teen years playing a lot of baseball, taking up occupying a lot of your time. I have to imagine, right? So, yeah, it was it was twenty four seven growing up. Okay, so there you say it was twenty four seven. What is your second favorite sport after baseball? Second favorite sport, I'd have to say golf. Okay, um, my dad's way too good at golf, so we used to play a lot when I was younger, and he always used to beat me, so it was never fun. <laughs> Does he still beat you regularly? I, I still have no chance to beat him. <laughs> That's all right. You know what? Uh, let him uh, continue to beat you at something for a, for a while. He'll uh, he'll be able to hang on to that for you know at least the uh, twilight years and uh, something you can always think of fondly. 
Andrew Vaughn, Andrew Vaughn joining us for another few minutes here on ESPN 1000, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. All right, Andrew, so you mentioned you just uh, jump into the fantasy leagues just to kind of like uh, build the camaraderie with the teammates there. So uh, who was uh, your first pick then? Um, who did I take? I do it with my college buddies from Cal, actually. Okay, okay. Um, who was my first pick? I got Tyreek Hill. All right, all right. So you went wide receiver there. Yeah. To be honest with you, I couldn't tell you what position guys play. That's <laughs> okay. how bad I so am you, about it. So, you, so do you even set a lineup then? Are you just, oh, I do. I okay. check to see all if right. any guy's injured. I look at the, the all the whatever it's called, the points projected. Mm-hmm. Kind of go off that. Okay, that's fair. At least you're, uh, you're a league mate who at least sets his lineup and makes it competitive <laughs> for the rest of the league. Even even if I have to imagine your uh, your college buddies though, I think of you as dead money, and they're pretty happy to just have you uh, to uh, submit the uh, the, su- the uh, entry fee. No goodness, yeah, no, it's all for fun. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, all right, Andrew. Well, uh, as you guys close out the stretch here, what's uh, what's the mentality like inside the clubhouse down the stretch here as you guys try and conclude the season? Obviously, didn't go the way you had hoped, but. How do you uh, continue to stay focused down the stretch here in September? You come out ready to go every day. Um, that's the biggest thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Win as many of these. I think we've got 21 left. Win as many of them as we can. Good stuff, Andrew. Keep on keeping on. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us here on White Sox Weekly, my man. All righty. Have a good one. That is Andrew Vaughn joining us here on White Sox Weekly on the ESP 1000, Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Vaughn will be hitting... Six tonight, playing first base for the White Sox in that usual spot. Now has 19 homers on the season, including 72 RBI, which leads the White Sox team. Hey, Southside Mondays presented by United Airlines are back. Join us Monday, September 11th, as your White Sox take on the Royals in the Southside jerseys and honor small businesses making an impact on the Southside. Get $20 in concession credit when you purchase a specially priced ticket and receive 20% off Southside jerseys to purchase Visit WhiteSox.com slash Mondays. All right, up next, we will check in with Jim Callis of MLB.com, and he will let us know what the White Sox currently have in the farm system coming down the pipeline and uh, how they can hopefully turn things around quickly and get back to being a competitive ballpark in the not-too-distant future. Jim Callis joins us next here on the ESP 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Carmen and Yurko, noon to two weekdays, ESPN Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller hanging out with you until 4.30 when our pregame coverage of White Sox and Tigers begins today. First pitch coming your way at 5.10. Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson on the call tonight here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Before we bring in Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline, let's pause 10 seconds for station ID. This is Chicago White Sox baseball. From the ballpark to the old National Bank State Street studio to you, WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. All right, let's now dive in to something that can maybe bring White Sox fans a little bit more positivity these days as we look ahead to the future as we go ahead and check in on the White Sox farm system with the best man to do so, Jim Callis, you Read his stuff on MLB Pipeline. You see him frequently as a contributor on MLB Network. He is the guy you go to when you want to know 
what your baseball team's farm system looks like. And he joins us today here on White Sox Weekly. Jeff Meller with you as well. Jim, what's going on, man? How are you doing today? Uh, doing good. Doing good. Just watched uh, my, my alma mater beat uh, Ball State 45-3 to and not a very close football game and just kind of hanging out. So That uh, is not really all that uncommon in college football, watching a team go ahead and route another, but say, hey, good for you for getting the... Uh, the it's um, better than being on the other end of the 45-3 score. You're, so. you're oh so <laughs> right about that indeed. All right, Jim, give, uh, give White Sox fans some hope here because obviously it's been... A very difficult season, and I guess the one bright spot at the trade deadline was the fact that I would say most experts definitely gave the White Sox quite a bit of credit. It was the final, you know, final move by Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams before they were relieved of their duties, but they made quite a bit of moves at the trade deadline because they were kind of forced into that situation. So um, just as a whole, before we get into the particulars, what did you think about what the White Sox were able to achieve at the trade deadline? Yeah, I think they got a good haul back for players who weren't going to be part of their long-term plan. Um, You know, I think especially the Angels, (laughs) if they could do it over again, would not make the, the, they would not send uh, Cuero and, and Kai Bush to Chicago. But, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, obviously. I think the the, pot, the one positive thing or the most positive thing you can say about 2023 for the White Sox, I do think that in the month of July, between the draft and between the trade deadline, they probably added more talent to their farm system than anybody else. So I, I think that, that's probably the highlight of the 2023 season for the White Sox. Okay, so let's get into some of those particulars. You mentioned, we'll start with the Angels deal that involved Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, who are now actually members of the Cleveland Guardians. Oddly enough, as you mentioned, I think the Angels absolutely would do it differently if they could. But the White Sox add a couple of key prospects in those deal, including Edgar Caro and Kai Bush. What did the White Sox get in the young catcher Edgar Caro? Yeah, I mean, he's more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy, but, he, but he's good enough defensively to stay behind the plate. Like, like saying that may give some people some bad Zach Collins flashbacks, but, but, but Caro's a legitimate catcher. And it's, you know, the, the Angels, uh, I mean, I guess White Sox fans would probably say the same thing about their franchise. The Angels are not a very well-run franchise, and they've rushed guys through their farm system. They've rushed guys to the big leagues. You know, Caro's numbers this year don't blow you away, but I think jumping him from low A last year to double A this year and skipping a level at age 20 was kind of a ridiculous move. He's actually hit pretty well in Birmingham since the trade. He's hit over 300. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think he's your catcher of the future. I know they traded for Corey Lee also, but you know, it's an organization that did not have a lot of, of catching depth or, or, or catchers you would project as starters at the big league level. And, and Caro's the exception to that rule. So I think he's the catcher of the future, still probably a couple years away, but switch hitter who can really, really hit. And I think you know, the White Sox will probably not rush him as much as the Angels did, and I think his numbers will look even better. You mentioned Corey Lee, so I'll just move right to him. Um, obviously, I think most people would agree with you that Kara is probably the long-term solution. Corey Lee, 25 years old, he's getting a cup of coffee right now with the club down the stretch here. Hasn't really done much, but, um, you know, he. I honestly, you know, I keep reading about Corey Lee, and it always seems like the first, you know, mention is that he's Andrew Vaughn's former college roommate. So <laughs> that's never necessarily what you want to see as a Major League Baseball player, but um, what what are the White Sox hoping for with Corey Lee as a catcher? 
I think realistically he's a backup long-term. I think he's probably going to be their starting catcher next year. Mm-hmm. And I actually do think that makes sense. Find out exactly what you have in Corey Lee. You know, he was a first-round pick, a surprise first-round pick the same year that Andrew Vaughn went third overall. And I think most teams had Corey Lee ranked as a third-rounder. And he's, he's a tough guy to figure out. Like, he's got tremendous raw power, but he's almost like he's made a concerted effort this year to – to put the ball and play more, and you haven't seen the, the well above average raw power this year. He has a really good throwing arm. You get mixed reviews. I, I have some scouts who think he's a solid receiver. I have other scouts who think he's a below average receiver. Um, you know, he can be Jekyll and Hyde at the plate. Like sometimes, like in the past, there's times where he sold out for power too much. So I think there is some talent in there. It's just you kind of see a different Corey Lee depending on what stage of his career you've watched him at. And, and I do think. With the White Sox, I think the plan going forward is let's let's look 2024. Corey Lee's probably their starting catcher. Figure out what you think you have in him. As you mentioned, he's not young, so you know he's got to produce at the big league level. And Caro is probably ready in 2025 at some point. And if Corey Lee doesn't blow you away, then Corey Lee's probably his backup when when Caro's ready to play. Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline breaking down the White Sox farm system with me here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller. Jim, uh, so probably my favorite prospect that the White Sox were able to land at the deadline, Jake Eater, looks like he could have some potential as a high upside lefty, potentially a, you know, hopefully a starter for the Sox down the stretch here. Of course, they did pay the price, though, in Jake Berger, who was having a pretty nice power season and has seemed to unlock even more since he's headed to Miami. What um, can White Sox maybe expect from Jake Eater? Yeah, you know, Jake Eater had Tommy John surgery in 2021, and before he did, the Marlins were actually aggressive with him. They put him in double-A for his pro debut coming out of the pandemic. And I had one scout that year, and granted, this scout didn't see every player in the minor leagues, but I had one scout that year who told me that Jake Eater was the best pitching prospect he saw anywhere in the minors in 2021. And, you know, so he had Tommy John surgery. He didn't pitch last year. He broke his foot. He came back late this year. Um, And he actually – I think had his best start of the season right before they made the Jake Berger trade. I had a scout who was at that game who said he looked like the Jake Berger, uh, the Jake Eater, mm-hmm. too many burgers, the Jake Eater of 2021 uh, that evening. You know, he hasn't pitched that great at Birmingham, although I'd submit these come back from Tommy John and a broken foot, and this year was more about getting back on the mound. But no, I mean, he's a guy who could potentially, if, if he, if it all comes together, I think pitches in the front half of your rotation. And, you know, I, I was a big Berger fan. Um, I mean, I think I think everybody rooted for Jake Berger coming back from the two Achilles injuries, and you know, his career could have been over before it really started, and he fought his way back. And I, Missouri State's like my favorite sleeper college baseball program because they produce so many gig leaguers. I just have a lot of respect for the program. Mm-hmm. But I also, as much as I like Jake, I, I think that trade makes sense because I do think Jake has good power, and that's he's somewhat of a one-trick pony, if that makes sense. Like, he doesn't get on base. He's not going to hit for average. He's not a great defender. He does have power. But that, I think it's easier to find power than it is to find pitchers. Um, so I like that trade from the White Sox perspective as well. As much as I think Jake Berger was probably one of the best things to watch, you know, on the White Sox this year, that trade also made sense uh, to potentially get a guy like Jake Eater um, who is, you know, right. I mean, he's Noah Schultz is a better prospect, but Noah Schultz is further away as a kid's, you know, pretty fresh out of high school. Mm-hmm. Jake Eater 
I like him even more than Kai Bush. I think he's their best upper-level lefty. Pretty, I think that's a pretty easy statement to make about him. I completely agree with you, Jim Callis, joining us in that. Uh, Jake Berger was certainly one of the better stories for White Sox fans this season in what has been somewhat of a lost year. But at the same time, you look at the backlog of designated hitters and you know first baseman-style players that the White Sox have accumulated. It certainly seemed like he was... You know, potentially their most valuable asset, and I think you know the Jake Eater return would speak to that, right? And of anybody that they could have moved at the major league level, Jake Berger probably was able to uh, net them, you know, something significant. At least that's what the, the White Sox are hoping. Uh, how about Nick Nestrini, who the White Sox got in the Lance Lynn deal from the Dodgers? Yeah, and you know, he's got a big time arm. It's just a question of how many strikes he winds up throwing. Because I mean, on, the, on a given day, I mean, you could see. Well above average fastball, plus slider. The changeup and curveball can be plus when it's on. I mean, he has great stuff, and it's just he's not always consistent with the strikes. You know, his draft year at UCLA, he pretty much got benched at UCLA because he couldn't throw strikes and got buried. The Dodgers took him. They cleaned him up some. You know, I think they do as good a job at developing talent as just about anybody. Um, you know, and he walks about a guy every other inning. And, like, I, I think – there's a starter in there, and he's got four pitches. He's got a you know strong body. You know, I think the consistency of the strikes will ultimately determine. You know, is this a guy who pitches, you know, in a two or three slot in a rotation, or you know, does he kind of tease you with strikes like, uh, you know, maybe like a Michael Kopech has, and you know, ultimately he's more of like a number four. You know, I mean, I mean if you told me that he wound up in the bullpen and was an eighth or ninth inning reliever, I could see that too. But it's it, it's a really really good arm. And I think that's a case where the Dodgers, not that he wasn't valuable to them, but the Dodgers just do such a good job developing. I mean, they, 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 he was part of a pitching staff when they traded him in, in Tulsa that opened the year with like six legitimate big league starting pitching prospects on it. And they had more prospects than they know what to do with. So I think that was a case where it was fortunate they matched up with a team that just had prospect depth and could afford to trade a guy like that um, because they have – several other guys similar to Nick Destrini. Mm-hmm. But no, he's really talented. And even the other guy that got in that trade, Jeff, like he was not a guy that I knew a whole lot about coming into the year, but Jordan Leisure, mm-hmm. um, who was the reliever that got in that trade, was a 14th-round pick. He's like 97, 98 with a low-release height and like one of those fastballs that carries up in the zone. And I mean, he needs to throw more strikes, but he's got a, a slider. It's pretty nasty at times, too. And, I mean, that's 7th, 8th, ninth inning stuff. And, again, it's, it's just going to come down to, to throwing strikes as to whether, you know, say maybe he's a future closer or, you know, more of a 6th or 7th inning guy. But they got two really good arms in that trade. Jim, a couple quick hitters for you before we let you go. Some guys who the White Sox had in the organization who they did not acquire but are certainly highly thought of. So you already mentioned him, Noah Schultz, the left-handed pitcher who is already amongst the best uh, minors uh, for the White Sox. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's, you know he, they've kind of handled him carefully. He had like a flexor, I think it was a flexor strain in spring training and hadn't made his pro debut, so they, they kind of played him slow. But the thing that's most amazing about him is he, he's six foot nine. He's, you know, a year out of high school. Mm-hmm. And most guys that young and that big, you know, their delivery's all over the place and they can't keep stuff in sync or throw strikes. And he does, and he throws from a really low slot. And I don't know how anybody, I don't know how lefties dig in against him, Jeff, because he throws a slider that seems like it starts at first base and breaks across the plate, and it's one of the better sliders you're going to see anywhere. And I think he's going to continue to throw harder as he gets stronger. He, had, it's funny, both him and Colson Montgomery, their top two prospects. 
I think are a little bit underrated just because of circumstances. Schultz hasn't pitched a lot, and Montgomery missed the first half of this season with injury. But, I mean, Colson Montgomery is a, a top 20 prospect in baseball, and I think some would say top 10. He just doesn't have huge numbers this year because he missed some time with, with some minor injuries that won't affect him long term. But I, I think Colson is the most like underrated guy who's toward the top of our top 100 prospect list. Interesting. I'm, glad, I'm sure White Sox fans are glad to hear that about Colson Montgomery, their shortstop prospect. Do you think, last one here, Jim, do you think Colson – is likely to break into the big leagues next year at shortstop, especially because they've got this Tim Anderson conundrum. Do they pick up his option? Assuming they do, you know, maybe they move Tim Anderson to second base for next year. Do you think Colson Montgomery is close to playing next year? I, I do. I mean, the, the one thing that hurts is, you know, with the injuries this year, you know, he's only played about 60 games. He's only played, you know, a little bit more than a month in double A. So I don't think he'll make the opening day roster. He kind of gives you some time to figure out. I guess if Tim, you know what exactly do with Tim Anderson if they bring him back, um, but I do think it's one of those cases where he's so talented that essentially when he's ready, let's say it's June or July or whenever, uh, Colson Montgomery comes up and plays shortstop at that point. Everybody else gets out of the way because he's he's that good. Like I don't know that he'll be a shortstop for 15 years, but he's a better shortstop than I thought he'd be. I mean, it's easy to say these big six foot four guys are going to move off the position, but he's, he's actually been even more athletic than I realized. And I think scouts realized, and you know, the comp that everybody made on him because he's a six foot four lefty hitting shortstop is Corey Seager. And I think that comp continues to hold up. I mean, so, I mean, the White Sox could have a Corey Seager on the way. And when that guy's ready, he goes in the lineup, he goes in the lineup at his position and you, you shift the other guys around him. But yeah, I think we'll probably see him, but more, I think more in the second half of last year of next year. You read him on MLB Pipeline, Jim Callis. You see him on MLB Network quite frequently, and he's been a pleasure to have on here, White Sox Weekly today. Jim, sick him dogs. I hope you uh, continue to have. Uh, well, I don't know if you need any more, uh, you know, national championships in your your near future here. But uh, uh, congrats! We'll take on, one, I don't yeah. know if we need it, but we'll take another Absolutely. one. Absolutely, it's always there. a better Saturday when you can watch your team have a good good performance. All right, Jim. As always, appreciate it, man. Thanks for the knowledge. Yeah, great talking to you, Jeff. Take care. That is, of course, Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. Again, he's uh, one of the best when it comes to breaking down Major League Farm Systems and all the prospects around Major League Baseball. Thought it would be good to hear him talk about all of the White Sox recent additions at the trade deadline and even some of their top prospects who were already within the organization. Hey, Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits such as ticket exchange programs, special events, savings on single games, and so much more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash 2024. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight today here on White Sox Weekly. Plenty more to come, including Jesse Rogers at, your, at 345 right here on the ESP 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly Saturdays on ESPN Chicago. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Meller on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, hanging out with you until our pregame coverage begins at 4.30 today as the White Sox get set to take on the Detroit Tigers in the second game of this matchup after a 6-0 victory last night in the Motor City behind a strong performance by Mike Clevenger. Tonight, Jose Areña will start for the White Sox as he was recalled from AAA, so he will uh, make the start for the White Sox later on tonight. Give you more on him a little bit later here on White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers 
ESPN MLB insider set to join us in about 25 minutes at 345. And then, of course, uh, if you missed it, we'll let you hear from Andrew Vaughn, White Sox first baseman who joined us at the top of the show. We'll let you hear what he had to say about what he's trying to do as they close out this season. Tough one for the White Sox. I mentioned with Jim Callis there that Colson Montgomery is somebody that White Sox fans are very excited about. Jim talked about him being potentially one of the most underrated prospects in all of baseball. And Colson Montgomery recently joined Chuck Garfine on the White Sox Talk podcast. And he talked about what type of player he believes he can be. I would say it's definitely a guy that's going to give it 100% every single time he steps on the field. I mean, I feel like if you watch me, you can tell that I'm running balls out. I mean, I'm going after every single ball that I can. At the same time, you're going to see that I'm having a lot of fun out there. And I feel like that's a really big part is you want to see someone who enjoys being out there and enjoys the company of everybody out there. And I feel like that's what that's what I do. And especially at the at the plate, I'm trying to make it as hard as I can on the pitcher. I'm trying to make it the most competitive bat of the night for him. And when I feel like when, that, when I do that, it kind of gives me a better idea of what he might throw to me in, in the next at bat or the bat after that. But you see a guy who's having a lot of fun out there. Colson Montgomery also talked about potentially being the next wave of winning baseball here in Chicago? I mean, I feel like you always got to think that you're, you're next, you know, that your, your time's coming. I mean, just being a competitor and being a, being a baseball player, you always want to play at the, the highest stage. So, I mean, we, everybody sees what kind of is going on up there, but at the same time, you, we just worry about what we got to do here, you know, um, the Southern League and AA, it's not easy, you know. So if you start thinking about something else, I mean, it's going to catch up on you and it's, it's not going to treat you very well, especially here in AA. So, I mean, we, we all see all of it, but then also at the same time, we just, we just play the game that we like playing. You can hear when Colson Montgomery talks about it, the extra step, the extra pep in his step as he kind of talks about playing baseball, which just when you – Think about some of the players right now that the White Sox have had on the roster over the last couple of years. You feel like that type of enthusiasm about the game could be infectious. So here's hoping that Colson Montgomery can break into the majors sooner rather than later. Of course, Jim Callis just told us probably not expecting him to make the major league roster at the outset of next year. But nevertheless, he's somebody who is probably close and would expect him to break into the big leagues next year with the White Sox. Finally, here's one more from Colson Montgomery as he joined Chuck Garfine on the White Sox podcast last week talking about what winning baseball actually looks like. A group of guys that go out and compete together and strive for, for greatness. I feel like everybody should strive for greatness, but being perfect is not going to happen. But if you strive for it, I feel like you can fall, you can fall short of it. But I just think it's, it's a group of guys who all have the same idea and the same passion of wanting the best for everybody, not just single and individual accolades or anything like that, but as an organization, everybody going out and wanting the best for each other. Cause I feel like some teams that I've been on, especially in the minor leagues is when we're winning is when we're playing team baseball, you know, it's not somebody's hot, not somebody's cold, things like that. It's everybody's doing a job, everybody's doing the right things for the team to win to win the game. And I feel like that that comes in with winning baseball and everybody having the same mindset of wanting to win. You know, everybody wants to win, but 
there, I feel like there's just a different mindset of like not letting your trying not letting yourself lose. You know what I mean? So Jim Callis mentioned how Colson Montgomery's stats have not necessarily been eye popping this year as he's dealt with injuries over um, th- over the course of the season uh, for three different teams as he's made his way up through the minors. He has played in 56 games, has seven home runs, hitting 281 with a 461 on base. How about that? Nice to see a player in the White Sox organization with an on base percentage that certainly is the envy of, you know, around baseball. If you can get a guy who can get on base at a, listen, I'm not going to expect him to be a 461 on base at the major league level, but to have somebody who could maybe threaten a 400 on base percentage would be certainly an added bonus to the White Sox current roster construction, potentially somebody who could be a leadoff hitter. He has seven homers on the season, only a couple of steals, so speed not necessarily something that he's going to overwhelm you with. But you never know once you get to the actual uh, major leagues. We'll see how he develops as a player, and maybe you know, maybe it could be something that he unlocks, especially with the emphasis on the running game with the new rules across baseball pitch clock and the inability to throw over the over endlessly nowadays uh you know there is an increase in running so maybe that's something you could see down the road here from colson montgomery but back in 2022 when he had a fuller season um across three leagues colson montgomery hit 274 through the season with a 381 on base in 96 games including 11 home runs 47 runs driven in in the minors again across three leagues for the White Sox minor league affiliates so certainly somebody who the White Sox are hoping can be a part of the core that gets back to being competitive in the American League Central and I thought this was interesting I read from Kylie McDaniel the other day Kylie McDaniel also does a great job breaking down major league draft prospects and also the minors across baseball he had his core rankings across baseball. He basically took the he ranked every major league baseball team and was deciding in terms of the core players on the roster, obviously an emphasis on younger players and ranking each team across baseball where they were. The White Sox ranked 18th. Now he has Luis Robert as an elite level player. No one, I think, would argue with that. Above average, he's got Dylan Cease and the aforementioned Colson Montgomery in the White Sox minor league system. And then when it comes to solid players in the White Sox organization that they could potentially be core players, he had as solid players Gregory Santos, Andrew Benintendi, Yohan Mankata, Noah Schultz, the big left-hander who we just talked about with Jim Callis, Brian Ramos, the third baseman who White Sox fans are hoping could maybe in a year or two from now, be the answer at the hot corner. Andrew Vaughn at first base, who, again, we talked with earlier in the show. Eloy Jimenez. Now, you wonder how long Eloy will be a member of the White Sox because, as I talked about at the top, Yohan Mankata, there's going to be, I think, a lot of trade discussions surrounding him this offseason and to, as to whether or not the White Sox want to bring him back, especially at that salary. I think Eloy Jimenez is somebody who, around baseball, probably still has a lot of what's believed to be untapped potential, right? And so if the White Sox want to make some changes, and Chris Getz in particular wants to make some major changes inside the clubhouse, 
players like Aloy Jimenez and Yohan Mankata are players who could be on the trading block. And I would say Aloy Jimenez is somebody who, because of his age and because of what he has accomplished at times in the major leagues, is somebody who could still bring back a nice piece in a trade. So Aloy Jimenez, a member of the solid core. Michael Kopech, also who we have to talk about moving to the bullpen for this, at least for this series. We'll see what the plan is for him for the remainder of the season. But Kopech, of course, mentioned as a solid player amongst the White Sox core. Aaron Bummer, Edgar Caro, again, we talked about him quite a bit with Jim Callis, the young catcher who the White Sox got back in the Giolito Ronaldo Lopez trade. Oscar Colas, um, the left-hander Jake Eater. Jordan Leisure, who Callis mentioned as well, being uh, a nice player who he wasn't necessarily familiar with prior to this year, but who he's been getting good reports about. Garrett Crochet, Corey Lee, Nick Nestrini, Jonathan Cannon, and Trace Thompson. So those are the solid pieces on the White Sox core, according to Kylie McDaniel right now. And here's the write-up. Similar to the Nationals, the White Sox have done a good job with an old-school approach, acquiring potential star-level talents through multiple avenues. They have not been as good similar to the Padres, at coaxing star-level talents into producing star-level production annually or at building a cohesive cohesive top-to-bottom roster that you need to regularly win baseball games. The mini teardown has begun and the new GM has been hired, but Chris Getz was the longtime head of player development, which was generally seen in the industry to be the worst department for the White Sox for the past five-plus years. That doesn't mean he can't be good in his new role, but the organization needs to nail its personal personal choice personnel choices for the next year or two to turn this ship in the right direction. So I think uh, that's uh, important to note when you look at the White Sox core moving forward. You've got an elite-level player in Luis Robert. You've got Dylan Cease and Colson Montgomery, who could be players who, you, who can be build around players. And everything else... We're still kind of waiting and seeing here. And hopefully the uh, Chris Getz can figure out which players need to be brought back and which ones uh, it might be time for a change of address here. Um, one more note here on Noah Schultz, who this was from uh, Jim Bowden's uh, piece in The Athletic, 12 Major League Baseball prospects who he believes are primed to pop into Jim Bowden's top 50 in 2024. And the second player on his 12 prospects was White Sox left-handed pitcher Noah Schultz. Schultz, according to Bowden, calling card is a wipeout slider that left-handed hitters have no chance of touching, even when they know it's coming. The left-hander's fastball sits in the mid-90s with late life and explosion in the strike zone and a high spin rate. His changeup flashes solid average fade when it's on. Due to his extensive reach and his arm angle, Schultz is a very interesting prospect, regardless of whether he makes it as a starter or a high-leverage reliever. The 2022 first-round pick could come quickly, too, though he'll need to stay healthy after dealing with a flexor tendon tendon strain earlier in the year and now a left shoulder impingement. But he has a 1.33 ERA in 10 starts this season in the low-A Carolina League with 38 strikeouts and only six walks in 27 innings. So there's a comprehensive look at the White Sox minor league farm system and what you maybe can expect from them moving forward. I'm Jeff Meller here on White Sox Weekly as we get you set for White Sox and Tigers pregame coverage starting at 4.30. Jesse Rogers will join me in about 10 minutes. Major League Baseball Insider will pick his brain on what Chris Getz needs to do to start making some dramatic changes inside the organization and maybe uh, some discussion around the wildcard race as well around baseball. Will the Texas Rangers actually 
be able to capitalize on their hot start that they had at the beginning of the year? Or are they going to fade uh, because they have now they're on the outside looking in in the uh, AL wildcard race. The Toronto Blue Jays are now in front of them in the race and the Houston Astros and Seattle Mariners have both moved ahead of the Mariners in the AL West. So that was, of course, a great start for the Texas Rangers. We'll see if they can hang on down the stretch here and actually make the American League playoffs. Hey, celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 AL West champions with a 40% off your game ticket for Sunday, September 17th. The first 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a 1983 Winning Ugly t-shirt presented by Whittingham Meats. To purchase your discounted ticket, visit whitesox.com slash 1983. Play more to come here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Waddle and Sylvie, 2 to 6 weekdays, ESPN Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000 the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller hanging out with you until 4.30 when we get you set for White Sox pregame coverage between the Sox and Tigers tonight. First pitch coming your way around 5.10. Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson will be on the call for that one. White Sox fans, are you familiar with $5 Tuesdays? Join us Tuesday, September 11th for the $5 Tuesdays. All fans will enjoy a specially priced $5 concessions menu, including 16-ounce draft beers from Miller Lite or Modelo, Garrett Popcorn Stadium Buttery, Vienna Beef Hot Dogs or Polish Sausages, Beggar's Pizza Slices, Nachos, select Coca-Cola products, plenty of great stuff. For more information, Visit whitesocks.com slash Tuesdays. Again, $5 Tuesdays and plenty of great concessions available for you. Always one of my favorite parts about uh, heading over to Guaranteed Rate Field is uh, grabbing some of the great food at the concessions. So uh, go ahead and capitalize on $5 Tuesdays. You will not be disappointed. I mentioned the Rangers fading a bit here down the stretch as they try and hang on to their playoff hopes because they've been dinged up with injury for sure they recently just recalled their or I'm sorry they had called up their top prospect Evan Carter who they're hoping can step in for their leading RBI man and run producer Adelise Garcia who hit the injured list but as I mentioned the Texas Rangers now sit three games back of the Houston Astros in the American League West and they are two and a half games back of the Seattle Mariners so what looked for a while like a division that the Rangers were just going to run away with has not been the case. They've now lost four in a row, and so I'll be curious to see if they can overcome some of the some of their injury issues. Of course, they're dealing with uh, their big money signing Jacob Degrom, who's undergoing his second Tommy John surgery, uh, and so obviously that has not been a good thing for the Texas Rangers so far this season. Of course, Nate Eovaldi, who had a really nice first half and was a member of the American League All-Star team. He's been dealing with injury issues as well. So the Rangers, who invested quite a bit of money the last couple of off-seasons with uh, the signings of Corey Seager and Marcus Semien to fix their offense, they then went back to the well this previous offseason, trying to add a lot of pitching to their rotation. And, of course, you know with pitching, it's just finicky because you just never know when an injury is going to strike and while they looked really good to start the season the Rangers are 
like I said, dealing with all these injury issues and trying to find some pitching down the stretch here, which uh, has been difficult to come by, as any White Sox fan would know. Meanwhile, in the American League East, the Baltimore Orioles Orioles continue to uh, play good baseball. They've now won six in a row, and they are four games up on the Tampa Bay Rays, who had that ridiculously hot start as well. Just like the Rangers, the Tampa Bay Rays now are looking at a likely wild card spot as they are four games back of the Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays at 78 and 63 have the right now the final AL, AL wild card spot as the Twins are on top of the American League Central at 74 and 67 six and a half games back I'm sorry six and a half games ahead of the Cleveland Guardians and 19 games in front of the White Sox who are in fourth place at 55 and 86 all right up next let's talk with ESPN MLB insider Jesse Rogers asked him what he thinks about the White Sox as they head down the stretch here and some other musings from around baseball. We'll do that right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller hanging out with you. White Sox-Tigers pregame coverage gets underway at 4.30 today with a 5-10 first pitch in Detroit as the White Sox try and win their second in a row after beating the Tigers 6 to nothing yesterday. Our chance now to check in with ESPN Major League Baseball insider Jesse Rogers, who joins us here on White Sox Weekly. Jess, good Saturday afternoon, my friend. How's it going? Uh, things are good, Jeff. How's it going by you, my friend? Ah, Not too bad. Again, always good when the White Sox are working off of a win the night before, so it makes things much more fun to do a White Sox weekly show. Curious, uh, so we're now a little bit removed, a week or a little over a week now removed since the White Sox officially named Chris Getz as the new general manager. So what is the scuttlebutt around Major League Baseball when it comes to the hiring of Chris Getz? Well, the question marks are who he's going to bring with him, right, from outside the organization. That, that's the big question. I'm not sure we're going to get that answer until after the season uh, where, where other people, other personnel are, are a little bit more available to talk to and things like that. I, I would hope that he's going to be able to talk to um, people from successful organizations, winning organizations. I think that's important for this team to know and, and see what winning looks like. And, and I think it's also important to see what r- sort of recent winning looks like, not necessarily a person that won 20 years ago, right? You have to know the modern game. So I think everybody would love to see someone brought in from Tampa Bay or Houston or one of those winning organizations. It just, um, it it puts you ahead of the, ahead of the game a little bit when you, when you do that, because then you're, you're starting from a standpoint of knowledge. Um, And I think winning organizations have a lot of knowledge to impart. And so I think that's the scuttlebutt who exactly is he going to bring in? Is it going to bring in people I mean, you could find good people anywhere, but it, 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 it's a little bit easier to find them from winning organizations. Jesse Rogers joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Jess, uh, how about some of the players who have signed big money deals, players like Yohan Mankata, Aloy Jimenez? What is the view of them around baseball? Do you think the White Sox, if they choose to trade them, can get something of value back in return this upcoming offseason? I mean, the short answer is no. I mean, the injury thing is probably number one when you talk to people around the league. Oh, that, that guy can't stay healthy, right? And availability is, is the most important part in acquiring a player because you're just wasting money and, and a roster spot and your plans, like you have, you have plans put together. And if 
they're not out there. That that's a problem. So there's the the market value isn't great unless somebody has some great answer about keeping people healthy or keeping these guys healthy that the that the White Sox don't have. I, I don't have that answer. But and the other thing is, you know, the production and the d- desire to win and be out there and all these things have come into question. So the reputation of, of some of these players isn't at its peak. Let's put it that way, Jeff. Um, you can always move a guy if you eat money and are willing to take back, you know, 50 cents on the dollar and things like that. But in general, um, the guys that have value are the guys you probably want to keep, starting with Luis Robert. And, uh, you know, Dylan Cease has taken a hit this year, but he certainly has some value in the open market. But those other guys, mostly because of the injury history, don't have as much value as you you'd want if you're going to go out and make a trade. Jesse, you mentioned Dylan Cease, and something that I was looking at the other day was the ERA of some of the top 10 in baseball last season and just how it compares to their ERAs this season. And there's been, you know, for the most part, a dramatic difference, an uptick in almost every player who was amongst the top 10 in baseball last year. I'm talking about guys like Verland, uh, Justin Verlander, Julio Arias, Dylan Cease being one of them, Alec Manoa, Sandy Alcantara, Shohei Otani, Max Fried, Chin McClanahan, Zach Gallen, Tyler Anderson – all these players who were amongst the best in baseball last year have seen their ERAs rise somewhat significantly. I guess Max Fried's really the only guy who's close to last year. Is this, do you think, more a product of the new rules in baseball, or is it just a coincidence that all of last year's best pitchers are this year having difficulties? I, I think it's actually a combination of a couple things. I think the new rules have thrown something sort of random into into it all, like, we have no idea. We had no idea, I should say, who was going to sort of thrive under them and who was going to struggle. It was just kind of random. And, you know, we'd have to go back and look at games for these specific players to know how much it impacted them. But I also think we're in a, we're in a moment in time where there's a little bit of a transition on the mound. It's just kind of that. That's kind of a coincidence, I guess, in the sense that Berlander and Scherzer are in their 40s. At some point, they were going to go backwards. Now, Guys like Manoa and Cease not having better seasons or, you know, or, or following up their good seasons with good seasons is a surprise. It is a surprise. So I think we're sort of looking at um, who the next generation of consistent starting pitchers are going to be, um, you know, in the National League. Is it going to be a guy like Justin Steele on the north side? Uh, he's just bursting on the scene now. Who is it going to be in the American League? I don't know because I thought it would be Manoa and Cease. They reached a level last year that they certainly have not uh, found again. So I don't think we know the exact answer, Jeff, but I think it's a combination of things, um, including sort of the veteran pitchers um, sort of uh, aging themselves out of being being that good, mm-hmm. and the younger pitchers haven't really established themselves past that one year. I mean, Garrett Cole is probably the consistent um, great pitcher out there that's done it for years and years and years, and he's probably going to win the Cy Young this year. So. There's no great answer to it, but I, I but I'm sure the new rules have played a part in in making this thing kind of random for a lot of pitchers. Jesse Rogers joining us here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller. Uh, Jess, so this is something that kind of blew my mind, and I, I consider myself a bit of a stat head. I'm somewhat aware of the newfangled stats and you know their legitimacy, and I take most of them you know into account when I'm breaking down who I think could be your MVP winner, and I'm certainly aware of Mookie Betts' value as a player, not just offensively, but what he does defensively as well. But I'm not going to lie. It kind of blew my mind the other day when I saw that he was the betting favorite. He had overtaken Ronald Acuna in, uh, for the, again, the betting favorite 
um, to win the National League MVP. Now, I know Mookie's dealing with an injury right now, so we'll see if that holds true. But with the numbers that Ronald Acuna is putting up, I was, I'm not going to lie, a little bit stunned that Mookie Betts had moved into the uh, favorite position. Yeah, you never know what Vegas is thinking. And it's funny because I'm a voter, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I know what I'm thinking. And I, 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 I don't, I, I'm voting for the American League Cy Young. I'm not going to disclose anything there. Sure. Uh, but, but if you had, if you had an NL MVP yeah, no, vote, no, this year, I, where are you leaning? Without doing a deep dive, Acuna, I just, now granted, stolen bases aren't like what they used to be, sure. but he's got a whole lot of other things going yes. along with the stolen bases. I'd say so. Yeah, he's this complete player. Um, I, w- I, w- I would probably be voting for Cunha today. Now, as I know most voters do on the final days or week of the season, I will be doing a deep dive on mm-hmm. my category. So you you re- you know you you, re- you uh, leave open the possibility to change your mind. But if I had an NL si- uh, MVP, I'd be voting Cunha. But I don't know what the next guy would be. Maybe they, maybe they'd be voting bets. Maybe being in LA over Atlanta makes a difference in terms of the betting market, right? So betting could be different than sure. actual voters. I'm just guessing that most people are going to vote for Cunha as number one, but um, it is a tough call with Freeman. I mean, Freeman's been unbelievable. Bellinger on the Cubs. Olsen has probably backed off a little bit. Um, it, it, it's tough in some ways, but when you look at the stats, I think it's easy. Acuna's the guy. Yeah, I mean, for those who haven't checked recently, Acuna's hitting three thirty four with an on-base of four fourteen. He has 35 home runs now after homering last night and 63 steals. He's got a chance at 40-70. He could create his – he's already created and, his and own And not club. win the MVP, Jeff? I know. It seems insane. <laughs> That's why I said my, my mind was blown. Um, yeah. But it, it, it'll be interesting to see how that ends up playing out. How about uh, last thing, Jess, before I let you go here? Shohei Otani, of course, the free agency that everybody is – highly anticipating but with the arm injury we you know that he's got the Tommy John probably likely upcoming in the offseason here what is going to be the market for Shohei Otani how will it be potentially affected by the arm injury I mean it's it's going to be a pitching laden incentive part of the contract at least that's the feeling among a lot of people now I think and I've said this before in the year you know the, the team that's going to guarantee him the most money is certainly going to move to the front of the line uh, if you want to still guarantee him $500 million and then just cross your fingers he pitches again, that's pretty cool. But he's probably a 300 to $400 million hitter. Mm-hmm. And then you can put incentives in there. And these incentives have to be uh, appearance-related. You can't say, uh, you know, if he strikes out 200 he gets this amount of money. It's, it's appearances. It's, it's starts, you know, a million a start. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to do, that's the kind of incentive um, – you could put into a contract. And so, yeah, you could, you could say when he comes back, if, if he, for every start, he gets a million or 2 million bucks and, or, or you could do an innings one, you could do innings or starts. You just can't do like ERA and, and, and things like sure. that yeah, yeah. strikeouts. So, um, because you, you, you kind of want to make it team oriented things. And if he's out there, he's, he's probably helping his team where, you know, where you might need a double play ball and the guy's trying to strike someone out for an incentive. That's yeah. not the way you want to do it. So, I think it's still a $400 million contract, more than likely guaranteed, and then a whole bunch of million in incentives, maybe up to 100 or $200 million. He's still going to be rich either way, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, I, I, he's not going to be hurting for cash, that's for sure. Uh, all right, Jess, enjoy your Saturday. Thanks for hopping on with me. I appreciate it, my man. You got it, Jeff. Be well. Take care. That is Jesse Rogers, ESPN Major League Baseball insider. I am Jeff Meller. This is White Sox Weekly. Let's pause 10 seconds for our stations to identify themselves.
Live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio. This is WMVP WSHEHD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. White Sox fans, the exclusive documentary, Fitted in Black, How Hip-Hop Fueled the Greatest Rebrand in Sports, presented by New Era, is here. Fitted in Black tells the story of how the White Sox ball cap became an iconic symbol in hip-hop culture. Head to whitesox.com slash fitted in black to watch today. I'm Jeff Meller. This is White Sox Weekly. If you missed it, we're going to let you hear from White Sox first baseman Andrew Vaughn when we come back right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Recap the game. Cap and Jay Hood weekday mornings at 7. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller hanging out with you, getting you set for White Sox and Tigers tonight pregame coverage Coming your way right here on the White Sox Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome in White Sox first baseman Andrew Vaughn right now, who's been on a bit of a roll as of late. Andrew, how's it going, man? Uh, Got to feel uh, good for you. Uh, I have to imagine you're seeing things a little bit better at the plate the way you've been stroking the ball as of late. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a good little turnaround, you know, getting things ironed out in the cage and, you know, getting ready for the games. So when you say getting things ironed out in the cage, you have uh, put together a three-game stretch here with seven hits, a couple of back-to-back three-hit games as well, including a few home runs. Uh, what's uh, What's been the difference for you that you've uh, identified in the cage? Um, just just being more selective, um, you know, getting pitches that I can handle, uh, trying not to chase too much, and, you know, putting a good swing on a ball and trying to do some damage and, you know, help teams score some runs. Sure, no doubt about it. Andrew Vaughn joining us here on White Sox Weekly. So you did have those three-hit games back-to-back there. And then yesterday, though, the team as a whole runs into Reese Olsen, who seems to be cruising. You guys had some difficulty with him a week ago last Saturday at Guaranteed Rate. And then last night, he's humming along. What's the approach for you and just your teammates when you know you're battling a, you know, a pitcher's duel out there, but you also know that, I have to imagine, you know, no hits on the board. What's the approach when you're in a game like that where obviously you come out ahead? Yeah, you just you just got to keep going. Um, you know, he's he's had our number every start against us this year. And, um, you know, we didn't – I don't think we got a hit off until the seventh inning. You know, got Robert got a double, and then Monkey went backside for a homer. And, you know, those moments are huge because we just got to stay in those games and, you know, keep grinding our guys on the mound doing his thing. And we were able to come on come out on top on that one. Uh, Andrew, so uh, the one thing I, w- I do want to ask you about is, you know, this is your third season. Seems like you're finally a little bit more comfortable inside the clubhouse. And uh, now that you're playing first base regularly, do you personally feel more comfortable in the majors now entering the what is going to be the conclusion of your third season here at the end of the month? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely been a learning curve over three years. Um, you know, it's it's never easy to play in the big leagues. Um you know, everybody's the best of the best, and you're going out facing the best pitchers there are. Um, so you always got to keep learning about yourself and learning what you need to do to, you know, get better every single day and be able to perform on the field. All right, Andrew. So that's, I, of course, you're absolutely right, the best of the best here. Think about it for a minute here as I kind of give you, I'll tee you up here. You enter into the majors, and you know, I, I mean, lifelong dream achieved just to set foot on a major league baseball field and to compete with players at this level. Was there a moment though, for you over the last couple of years when you said to yourself, you know, maybe cause the pitcher got the best of you or you were, you know, walking back to the dugout. Was there a point where you were just like, God, that's filthy. Unbelievable. I can't believe, you know, I've, I've seen the best for a long time, 
But this guy's absolutely ridiculous, whether it was just a single pitch or just a pitcher whose approach for you was more difficult than most. Was there a, was there a particular pitcher over the last couple of years that you remember saying, God, I can't believe it. These guys are ridiculous at times. Shoot, it's most of them. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing that hit me, probably the biggest surreal moment was when I made my debut, and I don't think I had a hit for my first, like, at least 10 at-bats. Sure. And I was like, holy smokes, we got to make some adjustments. we got to, you know, get it going. Well, like, I mean, credit to you because, of course, uh, you were dealing with the position change as well, which, you know, I, I think we all, anyone who's followed the White Sox, you know, for some time now gave – you a great deal of credit just to be able to break into the majors, willing to do whatever was needed to help the team out at that moment. And with Jose Abreu obviously locked in at first base, when you were, you're, you know, it seemed like you were ready to go for the team. You know, just how did you put yourself in the right mind frame day in and day out, whether it was playing left field or occasionally right field, or every now and then given Jose a blow and playing first base, how did you approach it day in and day out, not necessarily knowing where you were going to play? Uh, no matter what, I just had to give it my all. Um, be prepared every day, no matter where it was. And, you know, if it was in the outfield, try to make as many plays as I can, as many as I can get to, you know, at first base, do the same thing. Um, the biggest thing, just be able to play both sides of the ball, hit and play defense, and, you know, come out there ready to go. Andrew Vaughn joining us here on White Sox Weekly on ESP 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Andrew, I know it had to be a difficult time at the trade deadline, especially for a lot of your teammates, but coincidentally it was it had to be in some ways uh, a welcome site for you because you, I, there's not too many guys who get to play with a former college roommate when they uh, when the White Sox acquired Corey Lee at the trade deadline talk to us a little bit about Corey Lee and what type of uh, player and how cool it was for you uh, to, re- to realize that uh, hey your former college roommate was coming to join you on the White Sox yeah it was, uh, it was definitely a really cool moment you know um, got to play with him at Cal and, you know, get to really know him and, you know, his, his games, he's still learning, um, you know, behind the plate. I think he's a really good catcher defensively and, you know, he's got, he's got the hit tool. He's got the power tool, um, you know, but like I said about myself, it's, it's a hard grind to adjust to the big leagues. Um, you know, and I think he's capable of doing that and, you know, helping us down the road. Now, in Chicago fans, most White Sox fans are also Bears fans. I have to imagine you, as a former uh, member of Cal, is, are also a Bears fan. Do you uh, follow the football program now that we've entered that time of year? Uh, I, I am not a huge football guy. Okay. Uh, never really have been, you know. Um, I mean, it makes I'm sense. In I I'm, imagine a, I'm on the, in the fantasy leagues, but I don't really know how to participate. I just do it for the fun. <laughs> Well, listen, I, I completely get it. I imagine you spent uh, a large majority of your youth and uh, your uh, teen years playing a lot of baseball, taking up, occupying a lot of your time, I have to imagine, right? So, Yeah, it was, it was 24-7 growing up. Okay. So there, you say it was 24-7. What is your second favorite sport after baseball? Second favorite sport? I'd have to say golf. Okay. Um, my dad's way too good at golf, so we used to play a lot when I was younger. and He always used to beat me, so it was never fun. <laughs> Does he still beat you regularly? I, I still have no chance to beat him. <laughs> That's all right. You know what? Uh, let him uh, continue to beat you at something for a, for a while. He'll uh, he'll be able to hang on to that for you know at least the uh, twilight years and uh, something you can always think of fondly. Andrew Vaughn, Andrew Vaughn, joining us for another few minutes here on ESPN One Thousand, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. All right, Andrew. So you mentioned you just uh, 
jump into the fantasy leagues just to kind of like uh, build the camaraderie with the teammates there. So uh, who was uh, your first pick then? Um, who did I take? I do it with my college buddies from Cal, actually. Okay, okay. Um, who was my first pick? I got Tyreek Hill. All right, all right. So you went wide receiver there. Yeah. To be honest with you, I couldn't tell you what position guys play. That's <laughs> okay. how bad I so am you, about it. So, you, so do you even set a lineup then? Are you just, oh, I do. I okay. check to see all if right. any guy's injured. I look at the, the all the whatever it's called, the points projected. Mm-hmm. Kind of go off that. Okay, that's fair. At least you're uh, you're a league mate who at least sets his lineup and makes it competitive <laughs> for the rest of the league. Even even if I have to imagine your uh, your college buddies though, I think of you as dead money, and they're pretty happy to just have you uh, to uh, submit the uh, the, su- the uh, entry fee. No oh, goodness, yeah. No, it's all for fun. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, all right, Andrew. Well, uh, as you guys close out the stretch here, what's uh, what's the mentality like inside the clubhouse down the stretch here as you guys try and conclude the season? Obviously, didn't go the way you had hoped, but how do you uh, continue to stay focused down the stretch here in September? You come out ready to go every day. Um, that's the biggest thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Win as many of these. I think we've got 21 left. Win as many of them as we can. Good stuff, Andrew. Keep on keeping on. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us here on White Sox Weekly, my man. All righty. Have a good one. That was White Sox first baseman Andrew Vaughn. Joined us a little bit earlier in the show as he's getting set to bat six tonight for the White Sox. Tim Anderson will be doing the leading off, playing shortstop for the Sox. Andrew Benintendi in left field, batting second. Batting third and playing center field will be Luis Roberts. DHing and batting cleanup, Aloy Jimenez tonight. Last night's hero, third baseman, Yon Mankata, will be batting fifth for the Sox. As I mentioned, Van Andrew Vaughn will be sixth. In right field will be Trace Thompson tonight, batting seventh. Aline Sosa batting eighth and playing second base for the White Sox. And then Corey Lee, Andrew Vaughn's college teammate, will be doing the catching. Hey, White Sox fans, have you missed out on a promotional item this season? Join us at the ballpark on Sunday, September 17th, for Mystery Promo Day and receive a mystery promo item with every special ticket purchased. Limited limited quantities are available while supplies last. To purchase your specially priced ticket, visit whitesox.com slash mystery. I'm Jeff Meller here with you on White Sox Weekly, taking you up to pregame coverage, which begins at 4.30 today. First pitch between the White Sox and Tigers coming your way at 5.10 tonight. Connor McKnight will be on the call along with Darren Jackson as the White Sox look to win their second straight against the Tigers tonight. All right, so one person who might be available and possibility to help the White Sox out of the bullpen tonight will be usual starter Michael Kopech. Pedro Grafal shared with us that notion yesterday before the game b- began. The possibility of us using um, Kopech out of the bullpen. So um, talk to him about it, and we're gonna we're gonna back off a little bit and throw him out of there. That does not mean that he's a bullpen guy. It does not mean we're not gonna start him in the future. It does not mean anything other than you know what we're gonna start Urena tomorrow. We're going to uh, um, you know back him off a little bit and and uh, try to get some wins here and there with you know as far as him going out there an inning at a time or two innings at a time and. Start building them. Start building them up. Is this a start by start thing for Kopech, or you think it's going to be the rest of it? Uh, there's not that much left, so yeah. we'll you know we'll see. It, it'll be a communication thing. All I wanted to do is finish the season uh, healthy, right in the right frame of mind, mechanically sound, 
um, and just start building for 2024. No, he's starting next year. That's what I started this right. this press conference from uh, with. I'm not going to read into anything. He's a starter. He's going to be a starter. We're building him to be a starter for next year. This hasn't been discussed further than just tomorrow. So there you go, White Sox manager Pedro Grafal talking about Michael Kopech being available tonight out of the bullpen as Jose Areña will get the start for the Sox. We'll see if Kopech comes in in a bulk role for the Sox later tonight. Uh, Michael Kopech right now has a 5.16 ERA on the season in 26 starts. He's pitched 125 and two-thirds innings this season. He has 129 strikeouts. Now, of course, the Achilles heel has been the fact that He's walked 89 while giving up 28 home runs. So even though the 28 homers is certainly not what you'd like to see, the 89 walks is really the killer that actually leads all of baseball. So that is not that is something that Kopech is going to need to remedy if uh, he's going to be a more successful starter in the future. As you heard Grafal talk about Kopech, definitely a starter moving forward. This is just for at least tonight, and we'll see how the remainder of the season shakes out. Kopech talked about coming out of the bullpen. I've gone down there before. I know that uh, it's a little different preparing to come into that game um, than it is as a starter. Um, but you know, you don't you don't, you don't have a whole lot of time to think or overthink or you know do tweaks and all that. Uh, it's more get out there and get after it type of thing. Um, and uh, I think we think that'll serve me well at this point. Um, so it's an opportunity that I'm trying my best to embrace. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the game is to throw strikes and get outs. Um, so I'm going to do my best to get back to that. What do you want to do next year? I'd like to start. Um, you know, and I've always I've always said that I'd like to be a starter. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I'm a major league baseball player and I'm a major league pitcher. And whatever innings or inning I'm throwing doesn't uh, doesn't change that fact. I'm extremely grateful for this moment. Remember, Kopech had those back-to-back starts early in the season back in May against the Royals and the Guardians where he went eight, eight shutout innings, struck out 10 against the Royals back on May 19th and did not walk anybody, one hit in that outing. And then the, he followed that up with seven shutout innings, only gave up two hits, walked one, and struck out nine. And I truly thought at that little juncture there that Michael Kopech had completely figured it out and I was ready to watch him soar to new heights, unfortunately, it did not shake out that way. He's had some moments of brilliance at times this year, but again, he really does need to work on his ability his ability to, you know, complete that motion, avoid the walks, and of course the home runs. I don't think he's ever going to completely kick those, but if you can limit those to solo shots, you can be an effective starter in this league. I think we know, we've seen it, that he can be a high impact arm out of the bullpen that when he was coming back from Tommy John surgery. He back that was back a couple of years ago. The so that would have been as I do the quick math in my head. That would have been back in 2021 when he was coming back from uh, the COVID season, which he sat out, which was also on the heels of the Tommy John surgery. Back in 2021, remember he came out of the bullpen for the Sox when they won the American League Central, and he came out of the bullpen for 40 games that year. 
made four spot starts. And in that time, remember, he registered a 3.50 ERA. And as I mentioned, that high-impact arm, 69 and a third innings pitched. He struck out 103 hitters back in 2021. So we know he's certainly capable of being an impact player out of the bullpen. But, of course, the hope is that you get to being that starter that you can count on every fifth or sixth day and potentially give the Sox 150, 160 high-quality innings. And I think that's – if the Sox are going to be successful in the near future, the hope is that Kopech can live up to that. And, again, um, so we'll see – potentially see him out of the bullpen tonight. But the hope is that you can get him back to being a starter next season – and in the future. I'm Jeff Meller. This is White Sox Weekly as we bring you up to our pregame coverage coming up at 4.30. White Sox fans, bring your family to a White Sox game with a family pack presented by ExxonMobil. Your family will get one ticket, one hot dog, drink, and chips to select games starting at $19 per ticket. Plus, with every purchase, you have a chance to win mobile gasoline for a year. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash family. When we come back, we'll wrap things up and get you set for our pregame coverage right here on the ESP 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. It's simple. The ESPN Chicago app. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here for about five more minutes before we get you set for our White Sox pregame coverage as the Sox take on the Tigers tonight. Try and win their second straight after beating the Motor City Kitties 6 to nothing last night. Mike Clevenger getting his seventh win on the season, moving to 7-7 seven and seven on the year. Nice bounce-back start for him after the same Tigers team really did get the best of him last Saturday night at guaranteed rate. So it was good to see him come back. And, of course, the White Sox do a nice job battling Reese Olsen, who really has you know been somebody who has gotten the best of them for the most part this season. Reese Olsen had, I would say, probably his best start of his career last Saturday against the Sox. And then he goes into the seventh inning, Six and a third of no-hit baseball before Luis Robert broke things up. And then Yohan Mankata ends up hitting a two-run shot to give the White Sox all the runs they would need. They did go on to score six last night and beat the Tigers six to nothing. But uh, Reese Olsen, as I mentioned, had a nice outing. And the White Sox were able, though, to continue fighting. And actually something we haven't seen enough of them throughout this season. So it was good to see them come back and win that ball game yesterday when Reese Olsen very easily could have dominated them the way he did the previous week. So good to see some fight finally from the White Sox this year. Um, Wild and wacky week for Jose Altuve, man. He has been on quite the tear. If you missed it this past week, actually extending past that, but in in the past 19 days, Jose Altuve registered his 2000th career hit That was back on August 19th. He then hit for the cycle on August 28th. And then this past week, according to stats, he became the first player since 1894 to hit a home run in four consecutive innings. Now, it was over the course of two games. But, I mean, that's pretty absurd to hit a home run in four straight innings, I shall say. And um, the last player to have a cycle and then have four consecutive homers in the same season? Well, that was none other than Jimmy Fox, who did it back in 1933. But he did it over the span of 67 days, whereas Jose Altuve accomplished the feat in just eight. 
Um, and by the way, Jose Altuve is just five foot six. If you did not know, if you haven't ever seen the Jose Altuve next to Aaron Judge meme, I highly recommend you check it out because that always brings a smile to my face. And um, you know what, Jose Altuve has done something now that Aaron Judge has never done, and that's again homer in four consecutive innings. And oh, oh by the way, he ended up hitting five in a course of a, a two-game span. He hit three homers and then I and then I'm sorry, he hit two homers and then three homers the next night. So pretty ridiculous the streak that Jose Altuve was on. Um and uh if you missed it too, an all time starting pitch up matchup that happened this past week, Max Scherzer squared off against Justin Verlander as the Rangers were taking on the Astros. In that, it was the first time ever that you had two pitchers going up against each other who had done this, where both players had won at least three Cy Youngs. Um, They both had multiple no-hitters, and they also had more than 3,000 career strikeouts apiece. That's the first time ever that pitching matchup had occurred, where you had two pitchers doing that. So uh, pretty significant. And funnily enough, they were teammates earlier in the season, And now they both are pitching for different teams. Of course, Scherzer uh, was added by the New York Mets. And, of course, Justin Verlander also signed by the New York Mets to a big money deal. So uh, pretty crazy, wacky, wild uh, week in Major League Baseball. All right, folks, that's going to do it for White Sox Weekly. I want to say thanks to Brendan Riley and Sean Graney for producing today's show. Up next, we will uh, get you set. For White Sox and Tigers with a first pitch coming your way at 510. Pre-game coverage starts next right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.